I am so glad that because of David, it's okay to dance in church, right? David danced as, as an act of worship to God, and it's okay to do that. And I, I, I tell you, I need to exercise more, right? But I have to be tricked into exercising. And dancing in church is a good way for me to do it. So I appreciate the workout this morning. That was good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Today we're going to continue in looking at a story from David's life. But before we do that, I have a question I'd like to ask everyone. The question is, should we keep the promises that we make? Think about that for a minute. Should we keep the promises that we make? I hope everyone in here, as you think, you shouldn't have to think too long and hard about your answer, I don't think. But we should, shouldn't we? And there are a whole lot of reasons why. Um, my, my job at Mississippi State is in the library, and we had a library retreat this week. And in that retreat... Uh, we had the guy that's kind of over leadership for the university come and speak with us. His name is Brad Skelton. He did an amazing job. And one of the main things he talked about, you know, we're, we're looking at, at a library beginning to, to come up with a new vision and mission and our values. We have a new dean, that kind of thing, and trying to work together on coming up with a, a new looking toward the future, how can we better serve the university and the community as a library to meet the people's needs and the students and the faculty and all those different things. One of the things that Brad told, told us during this retreat is the number one thing that you need to have is honesty and integrity. Those are really important things, you know. And let's just be honest all the leadership skills that work are biblically based principles. They really are. Anybody familiar with John Maxwell, Zig Ziglar? These are all Christian speakers before they became popular speakers in the business world and those kinds of things. And so promises, when you make a promise to somebody, it's important to keep that promise. Let's have a word of prayer, and then we're going to get into the story that we're going to look at today. Heavenly Father, such a fun day. What a joy it is to celebrate uh, the, or the ordinance of baptism uh, with the church today. And Lord, we do lift up Mackenzie and her family in this new phase of, of life that she's entered into and in following you as Lord and Savior of her life, our, our, your son Jesus, and learning even deeper what that means. So, God, as we celebrate Bible school and all the fun that was had this week as well, God, just if we come away with one thing today that you could teach us, it's that let our words be truthful and honest and help us uh, to, to just do things that show the kind of grace in our lives to others that you show as well. Teach us something as we learn this story. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here's how today's story goes. One day, David thought to himself, this is, he's already king, 
And he thought to himself, it must have been one of these days where finally there's no more battles to fight for a little while, a little downtime for the king, no major decisions to make today. And he thought to himself, I wonder if any of Saul's family is still alive. And so he thought, if they are, if they are I would like to be kind to them. Because I made a promise to Jonathan. Let me tell you about this promise. In 1 Samuel chapter 20 is where Saul and Jonathan die in a battle. And before Jonathan dies to David, he tells him, please take care of my family. Look after my family. David remembers that promise as he's become king and has some time to, to actually think about some things. And so David called in a guy named Ziba. Everybody say Ziba. Z-I-B-A is how we spell it in English. Ziba. He's one of, he was one of the servants of Saul, and, and as David's become king, he still serves the descendants of Saul. And so he calls in Ziba, and he says, So, you are Ziba. And Ziba says, Yes, your majesty, I am. And David asks Ziba, he says, are, you, are any of Saul's family still alive? If there are, I want to be kind to them. And so Ziba answered David, One of Jonathan's sons is still alive, but he can't walk. He's lame. David asked Ziba, Well, where is he? And Ziba replied, He lives in another place. And David said, Let's find him. Send some servants to bring him to me. I want to meet Jonathan's son. Jonathan's son's name that's lame and couldn't walk, his name is Mephibosheth. Everybody say that with me. Mephibosheth. Let's say it one more time. Mephibosheth. So Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, is lame and can't walk. He's still alive. David finds out about it and calls for him. And asked Ziba, who was one of Saul's servants, to find Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth's Jonathan's son, that makes him Saul's grandson. And so they found Mephibosheth, they bring him to David. And immediately when Mephibosheth sees David, he kneels down before him. And David asks, Are you Mephibosheth? Yes, I am, your majesty. Then David says, don't be afraid. I'll be kind to you because Jonathan was your father. I'm going to give you back the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul. Besides that, you will always eat with me at my table. So Mephibosheth knelt down again, and he said, why do you care about me, David? I am worth no more than a dead dog. David called in Ziba again, and he told him, Since Mephibosheth is Saul's grandson, I've given him back everything that belonged to your master Saul and his family. You and your 15 sons and 20 servants will work for Mephibosheth. You will farm his land and bring in his crops so that Saul's family and servants 
will have plenty of food. But Mephibosheth, he will always eat with me at my table. Ziba replied, Your Majesty, I will do exactly what you've told me to do. So Ziba's family and servants worked for Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth was lame still, but he lived in Jerusalem, and he ate at David's table every day just like he was one of David's sons. Let's go through the story again. So David, one day as he's king, not a busy day, finally realizes, I made a promise to Jonathan to take care of his family. He finds one of Saul's servants, Ziba, who's still alive, and asks him, are any of Saul's family still alive? He says, yes. There's a son of Jonathan that's still alive. He's lame. He can't walk. He's still alive. We'll go find him. They sent servants to go find this young lame man when they brought him here. His name is Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth comes before King David. He kneels. And King David tells Mephibosheth as he arrives, Don't be afraid. I am going to be kind to you because Jonathan was your father. And I'm going to give you back all the land that your, fa your, your father, Jonathan, your grandfather, Saul, all of your family's land so that you can have it. And Mephibosheth wonders, why are you being kind to me? I'm worth no more than a dead dog. And David replies, you are Jonathan's son. So I'm going to keep my promise. And David calls in Ziba, the servant of Saul, and tells him again, since Mephibosheth is Saul's grandson, I'm going to give him all of Saul's property and land back that was his. And there you can go crops and have livestock and take care of all of Saul's family there. And Ziba, I want you to be in charge of this. And Ziba agrees, I will do everything that you've asked me to do. And David's last provision is, I want to make sure, even though you take care of all the family, Mephibosheth, you're just always going to eat at my table with me, just like he's one of my sons. Okay, one more time, just the major points. David realizes he made a promise to Jonathan to take care of his family. David asked Ziba, the servant of Saul, is there any of Saul's family still alive? He says, yes, Mephibosheth, a lame boy, one of Jonathan's sons still alive. David says, go find him. They find him. They bring him to David. He kneels before David. David says, don't be afraid. I'm going to be kind to you because I made a promise to your father. And I want to give you everything back that was your grandfather's, that was Saul's and Jonathan's. And I want you to eat at my table. And then he tells Ziba, Saul's servant, I want you to make sure that all of Saul's family is taken care of and has this land given back to them where they can farm and provide for themselves and have livestock. But Mephibosheth is going to eat at my table. And every day, Mephibosheth ate at the table with the king just like he was one of the king's sons. I want you to find a neighbor or 
a group of three or your family, somebody right next to you real close, and retell the story to one another, okay? Just those basic points is good enough like what we just did. You can do it, I promise. Try it. Okay, everybody had a chance to go through it at least once? Let's get started. What's the first, the first part of our story? Where does it begin? David remembered he made a promise to who? That's right. What was that promise? To take care of David's family. What happens next? David... Finds Ziba. And who is Ziba? What, is, what does he do? One of Saul's servants. Saul's dead now. And what does he want Ziba? To, what does he ask Ziba? Are there any of Saul's family still alive, right? And what does Ziba say? Yeah, there's a, Jonathan has a son that's still alive. A, a, lame, a lame boy named Mephibosheth. Right? That's a, that's a fun name, isn't it? I'm so glad that my mama didn't name me Mephibosheth, though. You know? Yeah. <laughs> You'd be memorable, weren't you, wouldn't you? And then what? They, he sends Ziba to go find servants to go find him, right? They find Mephibosheth. What does Mephibosheth do when he approaches the king? He kneels, doesn't he? And then how does David respond to that? Yeah, don't be, don't be scared. Don't be afraid. Why? I'm going to take care of you. I made a promise to your father, Jonathan, that I would take care of you. And then he begins to tell him, what's, what's, how's he going to take care of him? He's going to take care of his whole family, isn't he? He's going to give back the land that was his grandfather's and his father's. And he's going to let him do what? Mephibosheth. He's going to get to eat at the king's table, just like he was one of the king's sons. And then he tells Ziba 
what, he's, what he wants done so that somebody actually will carry out what David's wishes are, right? And Ziba agrees to it. Yeah, I'll make sure that land's reclaimed for that family so they can farm it and have livestock there. And I'll make sure Mephibosheth is here to eat with you every single day. It's kind of a unique story to just be stuck in the middle of the Bible, isn't it? In the middle of this story. We've, had, we've talked about so much war in the life of David and so many bad things kind of, haven't we? And all this politics of struggle over who's going to be the next king and all this, it's kind of refreshing to me to have a story like this. And as I look and think through this story, there's some, there are some lessons that we can learn from this story that really apply to New Testament grace as we look at it. If you've got your bulletin today, there's a little outline there, and I'd like for you to follow along. There's some fill-in-the-blanks there. The first life lesson that we can learn from this story about Mephibosheth is this. Understanding the concept of God's grace, grace is very important. You kind of have to, you know, the first step to trusting Jesus as your Lord and Savior is realizing that I'm a sinner and I need saving, right? I need help. And then the next step is realizing Jesus is the one that can do it, right? He's the one that gives mercy, that gives grace, that forgives And so this story is kind of an example of this for us. We've got a family. What did Saul want to do to David? He wanted to kill him. He he wanted David dead. Now, Jonathan's a different story, isn't it? David and Jonathan were very best friends. Such a unique soap opera, isn't it? You know, the dad wants to kill his son's best friend. You know, It's, it's a unique story. And so, uh, grace, without understanding grace, you will never, ever have consistent victory in your life over sin. The reason why is, when you sin and you don't understand grace, or practice grace in your own life, or allow God to practice it in yours, you're going to feel guilty a lot. You're going to feel like you can never be someone that God loves, right? You're going to always have that burden of sin that never really gets dealt with if you don't understand and use grace in your life. Grace is such an important concept to defeat sin daily. You'll struggle with guilt. You'll lack joy in your life. You'll become bitter. You'll lack motivation to serve God. And ultimately... You'll give up on God if you don't allow grace to be what God intends for it to be in your life. One of the things that's probably the most discouraging thing to me when I look at church as a whole in our culture today is the people that have left the church. It's discouraging. And I think one of the main reasons people have left church, and a lot of times they get their feelings hurt by somebody, but that's because they don't understand forgiveness and grace. I understand 
that I am a human being. That means I sin. That means I'm going to, if you're around me long enough, Danny Davis will disappoint you. Right, Jennifer? <laughs> and Jennifer Davis will disappoint you as well. When you're around people long enough, things are going to happen, right? You know? And so understanding grace and forgiveness, that person, yeah, they may have hurt me, but if I can't forgive them whew, after what God's done for me and forgiven me for everything, I need to learn how to be more like God. And we can see David practicing that in this story of Mephibosheth. The least likely of human beings. Let me tell you, uh, society has come quite a long way. There's a lot of things, and we still have a long way to go. We always will. As long as there's sin in this world, till Jesus comes back again. But just think about what it may have been like to be disabled in this time. You know, no handicapped parking spots in Israel, Right? No, no wheelchairs. Here's little Mephibosheth. And what do you think that did to a whole nation when they heard? The king has asked Mephibosheth to eat at his table? A cripple? What? I mean, that, that just, that touches me. That David had that heart for God in such a way that he practiced grace the way that God practices grace. David showed this grace to Mephibosheth the same way God does. The second point, it's important to carry through on the promises that we make. It's important to carry through on promises made. If you make a promise to somebody, it's so important to do that. I'm so glad we have this story you know, years ago, David makes a promise, and he remembers it, and he carries it out. He sticks to his word. That's another example of God for us. Let me tell you something. If God makes a promise in this book, you can take it to the bank. He carries out his promises to never leave us, to never forsake us, that no one can snatch us out of his hand. There's so many good promises that God gives us. He'll be our refuge. He'll be our strength. God carries out his promises. And because we want to be like Jesus, that means we need to carry out our promises too. When we promise to do something, we need to be people of our word because we're people of, of the faith. And guess what? We need to keep our promises even if the person to whom we made them is dead and gone. <laughs> That's what David did. He kept a promise nobody else knew about. He didn't have to. He could have gotten away with it. But he would have known about it and God would have known about it. He kept it. And the last point. It is a bad idea to hold a grudge against the heirs or associates of a person who has wronged you. I truly and honestly believe this. When we keep our promises and we forgive others, God will bless you. God will bless you when you forgive others. When somebody hurts you and wrongs you and you turn the other cheek as Jesus tells us to do and you forgive them and you pray for them, 
rather than fight fire with fire and throw it right back at them, when you choose to do that, to be kind and forgiving and gracious and loving, God will bless you every time. But boy, is it dangerous. If you choose revenge. Another thing the Bible tells us is, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. God will take care of that, that person. He'll take care of them. You don't have, God will defend you. You don't have to spout back when someone says something rude to you. And let me tell you, a lot of altercations and confrontations in our world, even in our own homes and families and with all kinds of different things, politics, whatever you want to say, if people would respond with love and kindness rather than responding the way someone spoke to them, wouldn't we have a much different world? My goodness, could you imagine? That's even hard to believe politicians speaking nicely to one another in a debate and actually bragging on one another rather than pointing out their faults. We live in a difficult time, don't we? And man, has social media not just turned this thing upside down. It's hard to even get on Twitter or Facebook and find the positive things, isn't it? So much out there is just pointing at other people and accusing them of different things. Be different. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. We give good news. We don't give bad news. That's the gospel. And so every chance you have, the, the quickest way to put out a fire is to pour water on it. Not gas, right? <laughs> so choose cool water when you see differences of opinions and different things going on. Find ways to be a peacemaker. Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. He didn't say blessed are the peaceful people. Blessed are those that make peace. You do have to get involved to make peace, don't you? You got to get involved. You just got to get involved differently than the rest of the world gets involved. Find a way to be peaceful when you run into confrontations. Just a reminder about David's life today as we close up. Psalm 71, verses 17 and 18. This is at the end of David's life when he wrote this psalm, and or looking toward the end of his life, middle age as he's king. He says this, God, you have taught me from my youth, and I still proclaim your wonderful works. Even when I am old and gray, God, do not abandon me. Then I will proclaim your power to another generation, your strength to all who are to come. Do you believe in praying that prayer when he had that encounter with Mephibosheth that that shook the kingdom? I do. I think people said, we've never seen a king do something like this with somebody before. But most kings wouldn't let somebody like that even... In their presence, much less let them eat at their table. So, let me say this in, in closing today. If there's somebody, maybe you know you need to repair things with, or 
Maybe you just want to connect with them better. I don't know of a better way to be kind to somebody, to let them know that you care about them, than breaking bread with them and eating at their table or eating, having them come eat with you at your table. There's just something special about that. Amen? Eating with others is good. You can tell I like doing it. It means a lot. There's a reason, you know, baptism's an ordinance. What's our other ordinance? Communion. Eating at the Lord's table together. It's meaningful to share food with other people. And that's where you really connect and grow closer to folks. I encourage you to do that more. You got a neighbor, just, ha just can't figure out how to get along with them. Have a grill out and invite them over. I guarantee you it'll change things. It sure will. Let's pray together as we close. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this story that shows us grace, your grace, that you've shown us. And we just ask as we think about ways that we can be a light to others in our community, our neighbors, our family, within our church body, help us to show grace to one another in such a way that it has an effect on others, that they see something's different. We want to please you, God, in all that we do, and we want to be like Jesus. So help us learn how to better show grace. Help us learn how to keep our promises and speak truthfully and be honest. And also, help us not to hold grudges, to be forgiving uh, with those that do wrong to us. Thank you for this example and this story. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.